Good evening. Hope everybody had a restful afternoon, and I just want to thank you for this opportunity to get to stand here and share a message with you tonight. It's great to be a part of a family that, uh, that has leadership that allows us uh, men that, that have a desire to, to get to do this to do it, and, and it's been really neat to see some of the younger men do this and, and, and to let some of us older guys do it too is, is pretty neat. And I appreciate that. Now, I would encourage you, if you've been thinking about doing this or if you've ever thought about doing this, uh, to keep thinking about it and step out of your comfort zone. And it's, it gets easier the more you do it. And, it, and you, you learn so much when you are in a position where you have to prepare a lesson or teach a class and you really benefit from it. So tonight, the message that I want to leave you with is a positive message. Uh, it's a message about trusting God in uncertain times. How do we thrive as Christians in uncertain times? And I've had the opportunity over the course of this year to talk to a lot of people. And a lot of folks are nervous and anxious and worried and troubled about different things in, in that are going on in the world. It's elections and COVID-19 and whether or not to get uh, the, the vaccines. And uh, people are worried about uh, political unrest and the, the message that are being taught in our schools and our universities. And I, I just, in thinking about all this, I thought, how can we look at examples in the Bible and how can we look at how people throughout time, because time's always been uncertain. There's always an uncertainty in this world. How can we look at examples of people in the Bible that thrived in uncertain times and what can we gain from that? So that's what I want to do for a few minutes tonight. Uh, when, whenever you talk about trusting in God, the one verse that always pops into my head is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So when you think about that, that verse there and we think about trusting God, it's pretty easy to trust God when things are going well. When you're healthy, when your job is going well, uh, your family is good, uh, the economy is strong, gas prices are $2 a gallon, wouldn't that be nice? People tend to say God is good when things are going well. Have you ever done that? I've done that. I've said God is good. But what about when things are not going so well? What about when uh, you don't get that promotion you've been looking for? Or maybe better, uh, worse than that, your, your position gets done away with and you get kicked to the curb. Maybe you go to the doctor for a routine visit and you find out you've got cancer or diabetes or, or something, something really bad. Uh, maybe you look at your, your retirement uh, account and you think, there's no way it dropped that much. Uh, maybe your spouse tells you that they, they're done with a marriage. Or your child says, I don't feel like I'm the right gender. Well, that's, those, are, those are things that people are, are dealing with. And at that point, you, people can begin to think, where is God in all this mess that's going on in my life? So when I read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I thought to myself, where can we see that verse in action in the Bible? Where can we see somebody that took that formula and, and put, it to, put God to the test, and, and it worked? And it didn't take long to find an example of that in Joshua. We talked about Joshua this morning, and, and Joshua is such a powerful example. But uh, if we listen to the words the Lord spoke to Joshua as he was instructing him to take the leadership role after Moses had died, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7, he says, "...only be strong and very courageous." Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success. That sounds really similar to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Joshua did that. Joshua had so many reasons to be anxious and worried, 
but he listened to the words of the Lord and he trusted him and he was rewarded for that. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. The Bible's full of examples of people that trusted God. And I think there's a reason God put those there. He wanted us to see that it's possible to trust God even when times are difficult and times are uncertain. It's possible and it's necessary to trust God. So the first example I've got tonight is Noah. Noah answered the challenge that God put before him by building a massive ark to save those who are willing to trust. So I want you to put on your thinking caps for a minute with me, and I want you to go back in time to Noah's time. Noah's building this massive ark, and there's thousands of people, and they're seeing this ark being built, and they're not just going by like life's normal, this guy's building an ark. If somebody built an ark out here in New Albany, we'd, we'd want to know what's going on. So you can imagine, it doesn't tell us what people said to Noah, but you can imagine people are walking by and they're saying, Noah, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building an ark. It's going to flood. And I don't think people are saying, oh, that's great. Can I help you? That'd be really cool. They were probably saying, what's this dude, what's this idiot doing? Has he lost his mind? But Noah didn't let that distract him. Noah was so focused on what God told him to do, and Noah trusted. And I think it was read this morning in Jason's lesson uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 said, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Those are some uncertain times. But no matter what people said or did, Noah trusted God. And when God closed the doors of that ark, Noah knew he made the right decision to trust. When we see people around us today that are ungodly, that are evil, that are thriving, it looks like they're thriving, be assured that God is going to terminate every life on this earth at some point. And when that happens for us, if we've been faithful, if we've trusted God, we're going to know at that moment that we made the right decision. No doubt about it. Let's look at Abraham. Abraham left his home and he followed God's call. Leaving a place of comfort and familiarity is a difficult thing to do. I don't know if anybody in here has ever done that, but Christy and I left uh, our home 15 years ago, I guess, to go to a, another city, another state. Didn't know anybody, didn't know anybody in the church. That was very, very hard. Well, Abraham did that, and Abraham trusted God in that process, and Abraham had waited patiently for a son. And when he was given a son, he was tested to offer that son as a sacrifice. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise, promises was in the act of offering up his only son of what it was said, whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. That takes great trust. But we know that Abraham received a reward for that. Let's take a look at Lot. Lot is a very interesting story, very interesting situation. And in Genesis chapter 19, starting in verse 1, it tells the story of how corrupt Sodom and Gomorrah were. It says, Two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, no, we'll spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. 
And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. So I'm going to stop right there. Every man, young and old, every single man in the city surrounds Lot's house. And they tell Lot to bring these men out so that we can know them. They didn't want to know where they were from. They didn't want to know who they were. They didn't want to know who their favorite team was. They wanted to have a sexual relationship man on man, homosexuality. Every single man, both young and old. And Lot said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Okay, back to that word known. He has two daughters, they're virgins, they've never had a sexual relationship with a man. It was so bad, he said, let me bring them out to you and you can do to them as you please. Anybody in there have a daughter or two daughters? Can you imagine it being that bad that you would do that? Those are uncertain times. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, and he's become the judge. Now we'll deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they, were them, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. You kind of wonder sometimes why Lot stayed where he was. I don't know why Lot stayed there. Or maybe it was his family. Maybe he had so much family, that's all he knew. But it had to tear Lot apart to see that day in and day out, to be surrounded by that. But he trusted God, and God saved him from destruction. But being around those sexual deviants had to have taken a toll on him. But in the face of extreme sexual immorality, we can stand up, and we don't need to be afraid of the vocal minority that is, that is uh, wanting worldwide acceptance and approval today. The people that, are, that want to be accepted for their, uh, their deviant stance on, on sexuality. And I ask you, if we sit back and say nothing, are we any different than the ones mentioned in Romans 1.32? Those that knew better but approved of the ungodliness that was around them, going on around them? It's difficult. These are uncertain times. But we have to trust in God. Let's take a look at David. David was responsible for so much of the mess in his own life, but he trusted God and he was able to persevere. He didn't give up when he realized he'd let God down. One of the most powerful passages in the whole Bible is in 2 Samuel 12. And most of you that know the Bible know this story, but I'll just, I'll just uh, give you a brief... Uh, so, there's a rich man that has lots of herds and flocks, and he has visitors that come into town. There's a poor man and his family that have one little lamb, and this little lamb is like their family pet. It says that he treated it like his own daughter. And the rich man takes this, this lamb from the man and, and cooks it and prepares it for his, for his visitors. And so Nathan's telling David the story, and David's just enraged, and he says, this man deserves to die. He should pay back four times, fourfold. And everybody knows what Samuel says or what Nathan says. He says, David, you're that man. 
And then he proceeds to tell David what God is going to do to him. Even though God has forgiven you of your sin because you repented, these are the things that are going to happen. For most of us, that would devastate us to know that our family was going to implode before our very eyes. But David, David trusted God. And David wrote some of the most moving entreaties and, and messages in the, in the book of Psalms. And he's also listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Those are uncertain times. Jo- Joseph is an amazing example of trusting God when hope seemed lost. Everybody knows the story of Joseph. He was sold by his brothers into slavery. They were jealous of him because of his dreams. Uh, but he trusted God, and he was allowed to, to thrive and become very powerful in, in a city that he wasn't familiar with. Uh, and he, he grew to a position where he was able to have a great influence. Uh, and, and Joseph was put in some positions where uh, he, was, he was tested, and he passed the test with Potiphar's wife and some other situations. God pulled him through. These are just some examples to help us understand that the times that we're living in, we're living in yes, they are uncertain, but everybody that's walked on the face of this earth has dealt with uncertain times. Moses is another great example. Moses chose to suffer with his own people rather than to live the luxury of Pharaoh's palace. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. God used a simple man in Moses to bring about his amazing plan. And Moses, Moses doubted himself. He questioned whether he could do it or not, but he trusted God and he found strength in that trust. And then two of my favorite characters in the Bible, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb trusted God. Uh, they, were, they were two of the 12 spies that went to, spy the, to, to look out in the land and see what was, what was ahead of them and to bring back a report to Moses. And while the other spies trembled as they thought of, of taking on the giants of the land in the battle, Joshua and Caleb knew that they had God on their side and they could do this. But can you imagine how they felt when we read in, November, uh, in Numbers 14.10, then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. So Joshua and Caleb come back, and they give the report that we can do this. Yeah, they're giants, but our God is a giant. And the people, the people were more afraid of the giants than they were able to trust God, and they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. I, that would be challenging, very challenging times. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And we know the rest of the story. They'd seen the plagues that God had put on the Egyptians. They'd seen the the miraculous parting of the sea. But still only two of the twelve trusted in God. And then finally, Saul, whose name was later changed to Paul, violently persecuted Christians before he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And he eventually became one of the greatest examples to Christians that we have in the Bible. He had to overcome a lot of obstacles. And I can only imagine how Paul felt when he realized, when the truth was revealed to him, that what he had done was wrong. I can imagine that that haunted him the rest of his life as a Christian, that he had, that he had, uh, had, had people killed for their faith. And he had, had tried to get people to denounce their faith. And I think that was one of the driving motivators in his life to please God and, and to trust God 
because of the things he had done prior to that, even in what he thought was innocence. But two verses that stand out to me about Paul are Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And then 2 Timothy 1.12, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what he has entrusted to me. So these are some great examples in the Bible for us to look at of people that were living in very challenging, uncertain times that trusted God, and they were rewarded for their trust. So what can we learn from these examples? How can we thrive in our faith in a world where it seems like Satan's gaining so much ground? Well, I ask you to turn with me over to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we've got to remember these words, and we've got to put these words into practice in our lives, all of us. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me stop right there. So if these, if these qualities are increasing... So when we think about our, our, our faith, you can kind of draw a, a connection to our physical bodies and our spiritual bodies. When you're exercising, when you're, when you're working out, your physical body gets stronger. But you can never, you talk to anybody that's a, a serious weightlifter or a marathon runner or anything like that. And when you stop doing, you don't ever get to a point where you can say, all right, I'm, I've arrived, I can stop doing this now. What happens when you stop? Pretty quickly, you start to lose all the things that you've gained physically. Spiritually, is the same way. We can never get to a point where we can say, I'm retiring from my spiritual walk. You can never get to a point where you say, I know the Bible enough, I can quit studying the Bible. When we get to that point, when we stop, we start to die spiritually. We're either growing or we're dying. There's no point in our spiritual walk where we do this. It's impossible. For whoever, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins... Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I think, I think if we read that on a regular basis, that really helps us to understand that our trust is necessary, and when we trust and when we're faithful to what God tells us, it tells us that we're going to have a crown of life. It's very doubtful that any of us in this room will ever face the challenges that these people we read about tonight faced. But how we respond in these uncertain times that we're living in will tell the world who we belong to. It's impossible for us to survive and thrive if this is the only time we open God's Word. Three times a week, if this is the only time we do this, it's impossible for us to thrive in this world as Christians. And I can tell you, I've been a Christian for, I can't believe it's been 41 years. I've been a Christian for 41 years. And in that walk, there have been years that, that I didn't care, the Bible wasn't part of my daily life. Uh, and I think getting married helped me to open my eyes that I was responsible for another person. Then having children really opened my eyes that I was responsible for my example and teaching. But We've got to have a plan. We've got to have a, a, an action plan in our lives. And it's personal for each person. It's different for each one of us. But it's not going to happen if we're not intentional about it. And so for me, 
I had to, I had to say that it's, it's got to be a time that, that's the same every day. I get up, first thing I do in the morning. Because if I don't, if the day gets, if the day gets going, I'll, I'll lose it and I'll, I won't be able to do it. So I, I do it in the morning, and it could be 10 minutes, could be 15 minutes. And, and thank goodness the leadership here at Charleston Road has given us so many tools. They've given us the daily Bible reading plan. They've given us so many other things. And so that, that takes a very little amount of time, but it sets your day off. It, it just it sets your day in the right direction. And then I've got a little devotional book that, uh, that I read. It's pretty cool. I know the author. That's pretty neat. Uh, but I won't, I won't say who it is. But just things like that, that, that put that word in our hearts day after day. But we have, to, we have to be intentional because life gets in the way. And like I said, in my walk as a Christian, I've not always been intentional. And I can tell because when I'm intentional, I'm growing. When I'm not intentional, I'm dying. And so uh, as we think about those things and as we draw this lesson to a, to a close... Uh, I want to just share a couple more verses with you. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 it says, this is Jesus speaking, but he answered, it's written, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in Matthew 5 and verse 6 it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When we're looking for the word, when we're, when we're diligently looking for the word and we're spending time in it, God's going to reveal himself to us. It's impossible to trust somebody you don't know. But it's impossible to know somebody if you don't spend time getting to know them. And we've all seen people that we love give up when times get tough. We've seen it here recently. We've seen it throughout our lives. Uh, but James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Those that persevere will receive a crown of life. Those are very encouraging words. And I'll leave you with this. Lives that are built on a firm foundation in Christ will not crumble under the storms of life. Matthew 7, 24 and 25 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But we can't wait to start building in the middle of the storm. And verse 26 says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was its fall. When we're tempted to fall prey to Satan's attempts to bring us down under the pressures of life, we've got to remember the words that the Lord told Joshua in chapter 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There are not many more comforting words in the Bible than that, that the Lord is with us wherever we go. A few weeks ago in our Wednesday night class, we discussed 1 Peter 2.9. Brent was teaching our class that night. And Brent asked us to describe the world around us, to use adjectives to describe the world around us. Let me read the, the verse to you first. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the majority of the, of the adjectives that we gave, including myself, were negative, the, 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 the way we looked at the world around us. And I'll never forget, Sister Carol Crace said, there's lots of opportunities. I, I thought, lots of opportunities. Opportunities to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness, out of this world, into his marvelous light. When people see how we react in faith, 
to the world around us, to the problems around us, to the uncertainty around us, we are doing what we're told to do in Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. We're being the salt and the light. There's no challenge too big for God. He knows what we're facing in our lives. The outcome may not come out the way we want it to in this life, but James chapter 1 tells us that if we remain faithful, there's a crown of life waiting for us. If you're not a Christian and you're here tonight, I simply ask you, what, what is holding you back? Is it something you don't understand? Is it something you're afraid of? Is there, is there a question you have? Because there's so many people here that would love to sit down with you and talk to you. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. It's the, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. And if we can, if we can help you in any way with that, uh, I beg you to ask for help. If you're, if you're already a Christian and something has, something has come up in your life that's, just, that's pulling you away, uh, if it's of a private nature, I, I encourage you just to pray, to pray to God to help you, or find somebody that you trust and ask them to help you. If it's of a public nature and you need the prayers of your brothers and sisters, we're here for you. We'll, we'll do anything we can to help you. We're a family, and the only way we're going to get to heaven is by being a family and helping each other and encouraging each other. So if there's anything we can do at this time, let us know as we stand and sing.